Welcome to my very first episode of It Is Written. I'm excited to actually present to you guys a quarantine series that I have been wanting to do for a couple of years now and just never really had the time to focus the energy into it. Um, but now that we're kind of all on quarantine and we have all of this time and production has been shut down on a lot of the shows, um, I now all of a sudden have time to actually do a project that I have been wanting to do. And that was to highlight authors to showcase their work. So now um, this is a, I'm calling it a quarantine series. It's called It Is Written, um, presented to you by yours truly, Terry Cato. And I'm very excited to welcome my very first guest, Dr. Jerry Forte. She is the author of A prayers and beatings. And I'm really excited to present um, Dr. Forte to you to talk about her book, because this is the month of May, and May is Mental Health, Mental Health Awareness Month. So that being said, um, welcome, Dr. Forte. Thank you. Welcome. And my first question for you is, um, when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer or that you had a story to tell? I've always liked writing. I used to write stories when I was a little girl. Um, I've always written stories. The stories that I combined to make this publication, I actually started writing about 20 years ago. Oh, probably 25 years ago little short stories, and then I decided to put them all together and publish them. And as I started to combine them, I saw a story, a storyline developing, and a story needed to be told. Awesome. Be told by me, be heard by others. Absolutely. And this is your very um, first written publication, right? No, it's the second one. I wrote one in 1993 entitled Appropriating Old Cultures into new futures and it told the story of students and families who were emigrating to the United States from the Pacific Island nation of Tonga and the problems they were encountering in the school system. That was in 1993. I didn't do anything else until this one. Awesome, that's great. And can viewers find that book? Is it out there on Amazon or whatever? It is on Amazon, yes. Okay, awesome. And um, so in terms of this publication, how long did it take you to write of prayers and beatings? Well, the very first story that I wrote was one of the chapters where uh, a young foster child is being beaten by his foster mother for disobeying some house rules and how the children thought it was so funny because he would grow and grab a Bible and start praying to God, Mary, everybody, please don't let her whoop me. And the kids thought it was funny. And the story ended up with, you know, how sad it really is that we find humor in such a situation and how sad it is that so many of us still think that the only way to properly raise a child is to beat that child. Right, right. And um, in terms of your writing, um, what would you say is something quirky that you learned about yourself in terms of your writing while you were writing this second book of yours? I learned that any person can harbor anger and pain, and it can be detrimental to you if you don't learn to let it go, move on. Um, one of the... Um, 
aspects of Cleo, who is the person telling the story. She's a psychologist. One of the aspects that she tends to teach when she speaks is that we need to understand a person's actions. And then after you've understood the actions, there's a background to why that person behaved the way they did that may have caused you pain. Be able to forgive them and forgive yourself for being angry and holding onto that anger for so long. And then when you can understand and forgive, you can love. Awesome. And that takes the pain away. That's awesome. Now, um, in terms of your book um, of prayers and beatings, it, it sounds like this was inspired by perhaps real life events. Maybe not exact, but at least in the they were inspired by. Oh yes, they were. Um, my father was in the military in the Air Force, and he was gone a lot. But when he was home, home was a horrible place to be. He was mean. He was very controlling. Um, he had to have things exactly his way. He was physically abusive to my mother and to me. One time I tried to stop him from abusing her and I found myself slammed into a wall. And for many years, I held anger in my heart towards him. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I understood that he did have a mental ill problem. He was actually in the psychiatric ward at Travis Air Force Base Hospital. And he would be able to come home from time to time. And when he felt the anxieties becoming too much to bear, he would check himself back in. My mother never told us that until we were grown. We thought he was leaving to go to the Air Force, going overseas, but he was right up in Travis. Mm -hmm. But some of the behaviors, you know, I tried to understand why would a person be so mean, so controlling, and so physically abusive to his wife and to his children. This probably is what led me to a degree in behavioral science and counseling when I went to college. And I began to understand that I believe he was probably suffering from schizophrenia, a bipolar disorder, or a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So then I wanted to understand more about his background because he never wanted us to go to the South. He mm -hmm. forbade us to go to the South. He was from Mississippi. My mother was from Virginia. And I didn't understand why, so I sought out the reasons why. I interviewed members of the family. Um, my sorority had a, a national meeting, a convention, Boule, in Chicago. And I went and I looked up his youngest brother and sister, who I had never physically met. And we spent time together. And some of the things they told me I began to combine with things that my mother had told me, things that my grandparents had told me, and things that I remembered. And I wanted to share those things in this story. That's awesome. That's amazing. You bring up um, some very good points that um, I feel like we should highlight, being that um, this is Mental Health Awareness Month and something that I think we both um, can agree on is that in the African-American community, um, something that we do tend to do is we, um, um, I don't know if it's the right thing to say, is sweet mental illness under the rug, but you know, kind of when we have a relative or a loved one that's mentally ill, it's almost like the elephant in the room that nobody really wants to- Or in the attic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true, in the attic, basement. 
and nobody wants to talk about it but we really do need to talk about it um and i'm so glad you wrote this book um you know exploring um family dynamics and mental illness because it's something that we really really do need to address and not just um sweep it under the rug or you know oh you know it's, it's a medical issue it's a medical issue and part of the problem with the family was that um, he did not want my mother to know of his condition and the United States Air Force supported him. They would not tell her. He did not want her to know what had happened in Mississippi. I had to learn, you know, from his younger brother and sister, but she sought help numerous times from the Air Force and they would tell her he has asked that this be kept confidential and they would not tell her. To this day, they have not told her. Really? That's interesting. That That's very interesting. Um, I do understand, you know, the HIPAA laws and not um, telling people's health, um, their um, health history, but um, if it's somebody's spouse um, or their children, I almost feel like you have yes. a right to know because you're directly impacted by that person's um, issue or not even issue, but their, um, their health. And just like you said, mental illness, that is a health issue. It's nothing to be- It is a health issue. And, right. I, and I, I really, really hope and pray because I myself, you know, we have mental illness in our family and it's something that we do not talk about. Um, and it's almost like people are ashamed of it. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just like if you have diabetes or high blood pressure, um, you know, it's okay if somebody has a mental illness because the first thing to do um, to even get to the bottom of something is you need to acknowledge that you have it. And yes. In our community, unfortunately, um, it's almost seen as a sign of weakness. And to me, um, admitting that you have any type of mental issue, whether it be um, depression, schizophrenia, or um, bipolar, um, that's not a sign of weakness to me. That's a sign of strength, you know, to stand up. It is. And think of that. We're talking about 2020 now, but think about the 1950s and the 1940s. Right. We dare wouldn't dare acknowledge that there was a problem. Wouldn't Absolutely. dare. Because Absolutely. of the treatment that you'd receive socially. Right, right. And that's unfortunate. But fortunately, we're in a new day. And I'm excited that you've published this book. Hopefully, that will um, open more people's mind and heart um, to mental illness, whether it be inside or outside of their own family. And um, is there anything else that you want the viewers to know in terms of your book? Um, or and, and first of all, we know that your book can be found on all of the platforms, right? Amazon. Barnes and Noble, all the, for people that are interested in buying the book, you can find them on all the traditional platforms, right? It's also on Audible. Audible, and it's on it's Audible. on Audible, yes. Great, awesome. Just, so, you know, just understand that illness is illness, and the main thing is the family needs to pull together and support the individual and support themselves. You know, in the book, I chronicle some of the problems that um, one of my older brothers went through trying to come of age in a country where racism is rampant, being an African-American man. The problems that he had, he's passed away now. He passed away in 2016. But he was a brilliant young man, who never could get it together. And I do believe that if his father had been able to be a major part of his life, 
things would have been different for him. So I want people to take that away too. When a person is mentally ill, there may be some things that they cannot do, but there are many things that they can do. And there are many ways that the family can support them and they can still be a nuclear family unit. Amen. That's a good point. And, um, and in terms of something I always like to ask authors, because I get, I'm an author myself and I get asked this a lot, um, in terms of um, what uh, advice that you would give to aspiring authors, do you have any kind of advice or words of wisdom that you like to share with other authors or people yes. who are aspiring to be? Tell your story and tell it in your way. There'll be many people who will tell you, oh, don't write it like that. Don't say that. You tell your story in your way. It is your story. Your passion is behind it. Your interests, your knowledge, your experiences. Tell your story. That's a good point. I love that. And I, I hear that over and over. I agree with that. You tell your story. Because like I, I say, nobody can tell your story better than you can. So you tell your story and we all have a story. So um, as we close, um, is there anything else that you would like to share with the viewers? And um, you guys, you can actually catch us on, um, I'll be dropping this on the Real Talk with Terry Facebook page and the Terry Cato author page. So this will be, um, we will drop this and as it airs and after it airs, you'll actually be able to communicate with myself and the author. So if you have any questions for Dr. Jerry Forte, um, feel free to drop them in the comments and we will definitely dialogue with you. So um, as we get ready to wrap up, um, would you like to um, lend any closing remarks? Well, just remember the facets of that circle of understanding, someone who has hurt you, someone whose actions you don't understand, try to understand who they are, where they came from, what influenced their actions. And I would never advocate for anyone to be a punching bag, but learn to forgive them for their actions and forgive yourself for holding on to the anger. And then you can love them in spite of who they are. You may not be able to live in the same house with them, but you can still love and understand and forgive. Amen. That's great. So we can, we need to all learn to understand and forgive and not be ashamed of yes. um, anybody or, or even yourself. If you have a mental illness, it's, it's just like if you had diabetes or um, cancer or, or um, high blood pressure, um, we go to the doctor for those issues. So we should always um, go to the doctor to take care of our mental health. There's nothing wrong yes. with that. So and family um, members support somebody who's trying to get help, support them. Absolutely, support them. And it's not, it's not a laughing matter. It's nothing to laugh about. It's nothing funny. We wouldn't laugh if somebody came to us and told us that they had cancer. So I don't, I, I really don't get it why people laugh when they find out that somebody has a mental, a, a mental health illness. It's nothing funny about that. So um, in closing, um, I would like to thank you so much for coming onto the platform and chatting 
And I would like to thank you all for tuning in. So again, we have Dr. Jerry Forte, the author of of Prayers and Beatings. You can find that on Amazon, on Audible, on all of the traditional book platforms. So go out, support an author. And as we quarantine, just remember to be, you know, to be kind, be patient, and just show a little bit of grace to yourselves and each other. And until next time, um, have a great day. And I will see you when I see you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, Terry. You so much. Thank you. You're welcome.